0: Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Monday, everybody. Today we're going to take a look at Mercury's conjunction with Venus in the early degrees of Sagittarius. We've got five archetypal themes that we're going to explore today, along with five sort of like insights or lessons that go with them. And I think this is a really fun transit. So I've taken uh, a lot of care to prepare something that I, I think matches the energy of this Uh, transit today. I hope you'll find it uplifting and and a fun way to start your week. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share some comments in the comment section as you listen today. It really helps the channel to grow, and I appreciate it so much when you do that. If you ever want to find a transcript of any of my daily talks, they're on the website, nightlightastrology.com. Okay, well, I am also in the midst of promoting my Kickstarter, as all of you probably know who listen to my channel regularly. We are trying to get to 1,608 backers by the new year. We just crossed the 100 backer mark, Um, but we still have a long ways to go and it really helps when people pitch in. So we're at 107 backers right now uh, and that's at the time that I'm recording this. Hopefully we'll get some more in uh, over the weekend here. And um, when you contribute, you can also choose a reward. There's a variety of different rewards that I offer, the best one being 50% off any of my online programs. And you can use those as credits to any of my programs in 2023 or four or five, anytime you want. So, if life gets busy, you can always use it later. Uh, But you can pick up, and if you bundle them together, if you pick up two of my programs then the cost goes down below even 50%. If you pick up three of them, it goes down even more. Um, I have a year one program, a year two program, a horary program, also a year long class, and a readings and passages program that focuses on developing your reading skills for a year. All of those programs are greatly discounted through my program and that's a way that I have of like trying to give back something to people who support this channel. Uh, We have a staff of 10 people now that we support. Uh, We built a community herbal medicine garden last year here in Minnesota. We just finished that up. We'll be planting it out in the spring of 2023. All the medicine in that garden will go to the community for free. And that's thanks to you guys supporting the Kickstarter last year. This year, one of our main goals is to develop a... um, donation based reading service that my best alumni and uh, graduates from my programs can work in and in exchange for them getting experience, they can also, uh, we can offer readings to people for uh, greatly discounted prices so that people who are in lower income brackets or struggling financially can still get readings because the truth is that often astrology readings will, you know, they'll be there. If you, if you find a practitioner that you like their prices are probably like industry you know kind of industry standard in a long wait. And so what we're really trying to do is bring that model that I have in all of my programs where we make sure it's really affordable and accessible for people of all income brackets and bring translate that into a reading service as well. That's our big goal in the year ahead. So when you support us, you're supporting this channel, you're supporting a staff, you're supporting a really good goal in trying to bring donation-based readings to people uh in by the end of 2023 we hope to have that set up. Um, And you're supporting, for example, my ability to offer tons of scholarships and need-based tuition comes because part of my business model is that the Kickstarter supports the business and everything else, which then gives me room in other areas to do that kind of stuff. So um, I really appreciate your contribution. Here are the kinds of things you can pick up. There's a uh, you know, an astrology of 2023 calendar. You can combine and pick several re- rewards too, if you want to. And then there's exclusive videos like the astrology of 2023 or the year-ahead horoscope that I do for your Sun or rising sign. Those are not published anywhere else. So those are exclusive talks. There's a variety of different lectures I have for students of astrology, like a five-hour class on the um on the 12 houses that's really interesting. There's a mini reading I offer that's personalized your biggest transit of the year in your birth chart, stuff like that. And then, like I said, you could pick up Roots and Spheres or the 2023 Masterclass Series or my year one, year two horror area readings and passages classes. And if you bundle them, you save even more. So check those things out. Uh, really, really appreciate your donation. How, whatever people can do, we just deeply appreciate it. Help us get to 1,608 backers by the new year. Okay, well, I'm really excited about today's transit because, oh, and by the way, actually, I I almost forgot. Where can you find the link? If you wanna donate, you'll find the link in the description of this video or in the comment section. You'll see that I leave a comment every time that says, hey, everyone, donate here to the Kickstarter and there's the link um, so you can find it really easily. And uh, yeah, again, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, so um, let's turn our attention to the real time clock now. And take a look at our transit of the day. Uh, we easily uh could have talked about this one on Friday and sort of prepared people a little bit more, but I got carried to the moon by <laughs> by Uranus, thinking about Uranus and Gemini. And um, but I it's such a quick-moving transit, and you should feel the, the real um strength of the transit, maybe yesterday. <clears throat> Sunday, November 20th, but you'll feel it today, Monday, November 21st, and tomorrow, Tuesday, November 22nd. Those are the three days that are going to be the most um, dynamic in, in terms of feeling or noticing the effects of the transit. Here it is right here. You've got Mercury in Sagittarius combined with Venus in Sagittarius. They're both in Jupiter's sign, and they're seeing Jupiter through a whole sign square, Ancient astrologers paid attention to both whole sign and degree-based aspects, and they were both considered very important. So right now, Venus has reception with its host. Mercury has reception with its host, which is very good. Um, So that's a good thing. Sometimes Mercury in Jupiter's sign is a little uncomfortable because their archetypal natures are somewhat opposite to one another. So Mercury is, you know, for example, Mercury in Sagittarius, Mercury tends to be very careful Um, and uh, crafty with its speech, can be prone to exaggeration in Jupiter's fire sign, right? So you get things like that where the archetypal tension between Mercury and Jupiter is maybe pronounced in a way that's not totally easy. Um, But we're not going to spend so much time talking about that today as much as we are talking about a Mercury-Venus combination in general, toned by the theme of fire and Jupiter, uh, this being Jupiter sign, obviously now if I take this forward a day, you'll see okay. Here's the 22nd They're still traveling together the 23rd by Wednesday. They're separating So that's why I said you'll feel it, you know the, over the weekend through maybe Tuesday Wednesday of this week at the latest uh, so Alright, let me stop sharing my screen here now I have five themes to watch for and then five insights to pair with them. So we'll go through the themes and then we'll revisit them through five insights that accompany. Now, I want to issue a disclaimer. These are not the only five themes that you could come up with. In fact, if any of you have this combination in your birth chart, in any kind of aspect, add your thoughts to the comment section and tell us what other themes you might add into the mix. I would I love hearing that kind of stuff from you guys. Um, I don't pretend ever like, here's the list of things that are going to happen, and these are the only things that are going to happen. As you guys know very well, I can visit one aspect and turn it in like five or six different ways to get different angles of insight. So this is just one, and honestly, today's is pretty optimistic and upbeat. There's some shadows that we could definitely visit, but I just chose to stick with what I thought are the most promising and sort of exciting uh, elements of this transit. So five themes to watch for. And then the insights, same thing. Like these are not the only insights you could draw. And um, as always, you know, anytime I form uh, something like a list of insights related to a transit, I'm going off from what I see and experience from students, charts, clients and my own life. And, And so that's where they come from. And I'd love to hear your insights as well. So I always invite you guys to add to those lists. All right. Five themes to watch for with Mercury. Combining with Venus in a fire sign, double-bodied fire sign of the centaur, the the temple of Jupiter. It's a pretty upbeat sign. If you know any Sagges, you know, there's there's a kind of buoyancy to Sagittarius. So here's the first one. I phrased it. I like the way that sounds. I like the way that sounds. Whether it's pleasant music or pleasant speech or pleasant thoughts and ideas, um, When Mercury and Venus come together, there is an attractive quality to speech and thought, to ideas and language and communication in general, whether it's artistic or intellectual. And so one of the most beautiful signatures uh, or or symbols that can come through with Venus and uh, Mercury together is that something satisfies both the intellectual and the aesthetic at the same time, so that <clears throat> an idea can be not only attractive, uh, maybe in, in seductive, uh, but really intelligent. So it can, it can be like a, a thought or an idea can be both lucid intellectually and dazzling aesthetically. So I like the way that sounds uh, is a great way to describe Mercury and Venus. For example, if you go to buy a car and you know, you're talking to uh, like a car salesman or something, and they just make you fall in love with the car. It's probably a good salesman, you know, (laughs) whether, whether you actually will fall in love with the car or not, once you purchase it might be another thing, but a good sales, a good salesman or good saleswoman or whoever is uh, going to make something sound, they're going to be, they're going to make you fall in love with something by the power of their speech or the way they're able to convey Thoughts, ideas, and information. So, theme number one, I like the way that sounds. Number two, convince me. (laughs) So, Mercury and Venus, as I was mentioning with the idea of a salesman, can also be about the power of persuasion. You have to have a little charm and you have to be a little bit persuasive uh, to get things done. Um, You know, for example, I think that uh, astrologers who have YouTube channels like my own or who you know, work with clients, um, anyone who has to convey ideas or information, including any kind of teacher, whether you're an elementary school teacher or high school teacher, college professor, if you're teaching something technical, you can't convey information in a way that is completely unattractive to the human soul, uh, or most human souls will check out. So, there's something in the human soul that begs when it's learning something or hearing something to be persuaded. Make it attractive, make it accessible, make it interesting, make it music to my ears. So, not just I like the way that sounds, but I need to or want to like the way that sounds. So, please reframe, reshape, or say it in a way that speaks to me, uh, speaks to my heart, plucks my heart strings, makes it musical, um, make it compelling. This is Mercury and Venus's gift. Uh, The gift of persuasion or the tendency to be persuasive and charming, as well as the the feeling of like, if I'm gonna get into something, it needs to tickle my fancy or whatever. All right, number three, our thoughts adorn us. This is, I think, another very Mercury-Venus phrase. When you, the kinds of things that you have on your mind often show. They show through in interesting ways. For example, the kind of mind that you have will often reflect in the way that you dress. Um, I don't think that's anything anyone would really disagree with. Uh, The kinds of thoughts that you have will dictate the tone of voice that you use, or the kinds of topics you think about, or the kinds of content, whether it's through entertainment, or, you know, uh, media, or the uh, intellect. The kinds of things that you entertain and associate with mentally intellectually etc etc will also you people will feel it like an aesthetic it's like a costume that your thoughts are part of your appearance in other words there it's like you know you you like right today i'm wearing like a i'm wearing a black t-shirt i got my little silver chain um people have asked me like what the silver this is i i picked silver for the moon so i've i've got this is like my Little the way of incorporating moon symbolism for me, which is something that I love as a cancer, and uh, I was born under a full moon too. So, anyway, but your thoughts adorn you. The way that you, the way that you dress, says something about you, even if it's um, like actually, you know what I did recently, you guys. I recently went to a color intuitive with my wife. She really wanted to go to this workshop. And I was sort of skeptical because it seemed like kind of like a ladies' day type of thing. And I was like, nah, I don't know. But she was like, no, come. And I'm like, okay. So I went. And this intuitive sat down. And we all had to go through this. We all had to wear like neutral, a neutral color, like white or something. Or I don't remember what it was, like gray or white. And then she had us put cloth on us. And we all stood, you know, everyone. So I would like get up in the middle of the room. And she would put this cloth on me. And everyone would talk about you know what they felt from the color that I was wearing, and what aspects of my personality or psychology—not even knowing me—that they could feel it, sort of bringing out. Far from me feeling like, ah, oh, this is just like a chick day, <laughs> you know, like it's kind of like what I was skeptical of. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is aw- this is awesome. As a Taurus rising, you know, ascendant ruled by Venus, I loved it because she was able to make a connection between colors and our psychology. And I'm sure some of you out there are like, duh, Adam, like brilliant. You know, <laughs> you know. Like, but for me, it was really a cool breakthrough. Anyway, our thoughts adorn us. Venus Mercury is like what's on your mind is sort of like a color and you can't even see it most of the time. Or you're not even aware of it. You don't understand that what's on your mind contributes to your aesthetic. In some ways, it's funny how if you change your mind, if your mind starts changing, your aesthetic starts changing. Now, meaningful segue. I have gotten at least, I don't know, 30, 40 comments since I made the announcement that I was changing my name back to Adam. A lot of people started commenting on my wardrobe. They were like, I wondered if something was up because you seemed to start dressing differently and you grew out your hair, et cetera, et cetera. Well, to my point, that's because my mind started changing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my and by that I mean my not just my mind, but my beliefs and my outlook and and as my thought life and the kinds of thoughts that I was thinking and the kinds of reflections that were taking place in me on the regular, you could say, as the heart of my moving meditation was evolving, and I'm sure you can all relate, you've all probably gone through something really similar, and suddenly it's like your clothes might change or your something has to shift externally to match the internal environment of the, of the mind. Our thoughts adorn us our thoughts are the things that subtly start placing colors around us, right? Or the choice of your wardrobe or even the kind of, uh, you know, vehicle that you drive or something like that. Uh, Okay. Well, so our thoughts adorn us. Number four, what I'm curious about is curious about me. This is a funny thing. (laughs) So um, uh, I'll tell you the story about, I'm going to tell you another story. So when Ashley, my, my wife, Ashley, and I, when we met, um, she was originally a client of mine. <laughs> I know that's terrible. <laughs> and I've, I, the only client of mine that I ever hit on was my wife. And I feel very good about that. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but at any rate, um, So we started like getting interested in each other after I did a reading for her. But then to her credit, she did an herbal consult for me. So we like traded consults and I was like, wow, she's really talented. And so I started feeling really, really interested in her. And she started feeling really, really interested and curious about me. And we've always joked because that curiosity, that like back and forth curiosity about one another, went on for like a year before we started dating. We led a retreat together as colleagues and friends. And at that retreat, I started getting curious about her. But then in hindsight, she was like, you were curious about me. I thought I was showing very clearly that I was curious about you while we were on the retreat. So I've had a number of times where I've just reflected on this and gone, you know what it is? When you're curious about something, honest, like honest to God, how many times does this happen? The thing that you're curious about turns out to be curious about you as well. And it becomes really hard to tell who was curious about who first. <laughs> this is such a Mercury-Venus dynamic where what you're curious about and you think, oh, I'm suddenly interested in this thing. Yeah, no, maybe it's interested in you. And maybe you're thinking that you're getting curious in something as if you have all of the agency and sovereignty, and it was your will and your choice and your volition that led to you being curious and interested in this thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was interested in you. And thus, you know, that's how it works. When something's interested in you, suddenly you think that you're taking an interest in it. (laughs) And it's weird how we get tricked by that. Like, I just think it's the most joyful, silly thing. It's isn't that true about God or divinity or the universe or whatever name you want to give it? Isn't it true that you're like, gosh, I'm getting curious about the universe, about energy, about, you know, manifestation, all these things that are like the, the gateway drugs of spiritual life. You know, you're like, I'm getting interested in this or that. Yeah, but it is also getting interested in you because it's not just some thing that you're, it's not some objective thing that's that you're just getting interested in. Interest is almost always mutual between living beings in an ensouled cosmos, you know? So what you're curious about is often curious about you. And uh, that is a very Mercury-Venus thing that what we're attracted to has actually been pulling us in. There's an interesting way in which shamans in the Amazon talk about this uh, quite regularly, and it's been well, well documented in a variety of books written about ayahuasca shamanism, which is that the, the maestros in the Amazon who teach the tradition, the ayahuasqueros, They say that the plants took an interest in the the humans, right? So that the plants became interested in the humans. But from our end of things, that to us looks like we're wandering around observing the plants and developing medicines. Like it's all us. But actually, in many ways, it's the plants who attracted us in to take us into their bodies although it looks like we're eating or ingesting them or cooking ayahuasca they're cooking us <laughs> and that's something that many like botanists and like you will find a lot of very credible i know that sounds kind of crazy but you will find like very credible uh you know scientifically minded uh botanists and herbalists and um people who have who have studied plants for a long time in evolutionary biology saying similar things but the plants are actually Interested in us and then we think that we're going out and taking an interest in them And it's funny how those things work. So anyway, my fourth point is what I am curious about is curious about me So notice what you're attracted to right now Notice what you're taking an interest in because it's very possible that that very same thing has been eyeing you all right Number five fun is fun is fun Okay, so if I had to sum up the like the heart of, I don't know, 40%, 30, 40% of my readings with people. They're like, what does my chart say of what I should do with my life? And it's easy to answer that for a certain population of people because the answer is sort of the same in all cases. People asking that question, in other words, are often presuming that there is a set of goals or lessons that they are here to learn, like a SAT in life that you have to prepare for and pass before you know, your, your expiration date. And for most of the people who presume that and come in with this, like this, there's this gravitas, you know, it's like, what am I here to learn? You know, (laughs) you know, like that. And I'm, I'm guilty of that too. So please don't feel offended if you ever came to me for a reading and were asking that because I fall into that. Like every third day, I'm like, okay, okay. You know, Saturn, you must rule the universe and be the, you know, the final say in everything, uh, Mister Taskmaster. What am I here to learn? You know, like uh, I got to graduate the tenth grade spiritually, and I'm really nervous about it. Like every third day, that pops up in me. So I'm definitely not knocking it. It's just human. But in almost every case where someone really comes in, really deeply concerned that, like, I'm, I'm uh, what do I do to pass this shit? You know, <laughs> what do I do to make life successful? Okay, well, um, have fun. You know, instead of thinking about goals, think about play. You know, um, I remember there was an uh, a book that I read some years ago. Uh, it was called Religion and Human Evolution by Robert Bella. He's a Pisces, by the way. And I, I looked him up after his birth chart up after I read the book because it was so fascinating. I just thought this guy's like kind of a mystic. Anyway, so in that book, he talks a lot about how... There's games that all different kinds of species play, including humans. I'm going to run and chase you and get you, tackle you, tag you, tag you're it. You know, I'm going to get you. And then, but then, then we're going to switch and you're going to be the chaser and come after me. Okay. What role does that serve? <laughs> you know, like, like, what goal does that, and you'll always find someone. I don't know who, there'll be someone who's like, well, it has to do with you know uh, increasing the likelihood that you'll find the optimal mate and make sure that the species survives. So there'll, always, there'll always be some way of taking fun and trying to route it back into a deeper purpose that's rooted in fear, survival, existential angst, passing the grade, making the mark, reaching the goal, whatever. We can always take anything in life, including play itself, and try to redefine it in terms of that overarching, all-consuming, and ultimately very stifling paradigm. I'm not saying there's no place for goals and that life doesn't have a real serious edge, that there isn't a sense in which we aren't here to learn evolutionary lessons, but how much could any of that mean unless we're having fun at the same time? And in the paradigm of fun, fun has no other purpose, it's, it's joy is found in being exactly what it is. Fun is fun is fun. And Mercury and Venus, honest to God, is sometimes just the transit of fun. So have fun. All right, well, five insights that go along with these, some of which I've already intimated, but we'll go through them anyway. So remember, theme one was, I like the way that sounds. Insight number one is develop a musical eye and an archetypal ear. So with Venus and Mercury, we talked. I talked a little bit about, you know, something sounding attractive or beautiful, but the, also that one of the deeper philosophical and spiritual lessons, you could say, of a Mercury-Venus pairing is that can you develop that same ability to see life in terms of music? One of the interesting things that happens in psychedelic experience, which I experienced countless times in a decade of working with psychedelics, especially ayahuasca, is something called synesthesia. And synesthesia is when you're, you start to see music, you start to smell sounds, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's as though you're starting to use a sense to um, like your, your, uh, your, it sounds crazy. I know it sounds really crazy, but sometimes you can, like in ayahuasca ceremonies, I literally had experiences of being able to taste sounds. I know that's crazy, right? But it's very well documented, um, very, very well documented that psychedelic experiences will allow for you to, that there's this weird blending of the senses. But my point is that astrology is fundamentally, you could say, a practice of synesthesia, because what you're going out and learning to do is you're learning to develop a musical eye. You want to see experiences in your life her- hermetically. In other words, you've got the Hermes, the hermeneutic, the interpreter, uh, the, the the god of astrology itself. And yet you're seeing and understanding experience. You're sort of cognizing it in terms of something aesthetically pleasing like music. So when you see experience as color or sound or uh Painting like that and you're literally developing a kind of sight for it. It's a very Mercury um, A very Mercury Venus kind of thing and You'll often find people with the aspects in their chart just have that gift. They can just do it um, And you're developing an archetypal ear so that you hear things You're hearing things in terms of These archetypal patterns that you literally hear speech in that way one of for example one of the things that happens in the amazon with ayahuasca is um that one of the great features of shamans not just in the ayahuasca tradition but all over the world in all different traditions is the control of the speech and it usually goes along with some really intimate knowledge of a musical instrument like a drum or a rattle and speech becomes very controlled but but beautiful and sort of deliberate so anyway The point of Mercury-Venus, and I think on a spiritual level, one insight that you can gain is that this combination reminds us that what we are doing, in a sense, with astrology is a Mercury-Venus endeavor. It is, we are developing a musical eye and an archetypal ear for reality itself. Number two, I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl. There was a song that I really, really loved. I used to really like um, uh, Elliot Smith. I don't know if you guys remember Elliot Smith. Um, hold on, I'm trying to think of when he. When did Elliot Smith die? I'm just thinking, 2003. God, it's a long time ago now. Yeah, so it was 2003. But uh, I got exposed to Elliot Smith initially um, because he appeared on the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack, and then I got really into his music. Um, And he had this song anyways, and one of the lines from the song was, I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl. Now, I use that just playfully um, because I think it's a very Mercury Venus type of lyric. But the second insight that we learned, the second theme that we watched, that we talked about today was convince me, you know, persuade me. Well, there's an insight that goes along with that or that's closely related to to that archetypal theme. If you want to really deeply know somebody. Now, I know that that's hard unless you're going to have the time to spend. I mean, a lot of the way that you know someone is to be able to spend time with them, right? But even if you want to know someone in more than just an average way and more than just being an acquaintance, one of the things that I think is is critical is developing the capacity to empathize you could call it but it's deeper than just it's not just empathy and like feeling what they feel it's about looking through the world it's about looking at the world through their eyes and it's a kind of listening and appreciating simultaneously it's very subtle i think that i've developed more of a capacity and more of an awareness of this than ever by having you know two two little girls two well it wouldn't matter what their gender sex or whatever but i mean just two kids Because when I sit down and I'm like really attentive and really present and it's really crucial parents out there, you guys know how crucial it is to be like really present when your kids are talking to you because it means the world to them. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm very good at it, but when I am like super present and I just, I can just listen and kind of see the world through their eyes because of the listening, the empathizing. And it's just like, I'm suddenly entering into their world and seeing the way they see. It is as though suddenly I uh, I feel them their their essence everything that they saw and felt that I somehow tapped into it, because I tapped into it it took me like three levels lower and into their soul space even if for just like a split second and wow is it it's such an, a beautiful place to be such appreciation that you come away with and that isn't that how intimacy grows. I think it's hard to do that, you know, when we get into adult relationships because there's more competition and comparing of ourselves, judging and insecurities. And like, you know, it's maybe it's not as easy for adults to do it. I don't know. But I know, for example, that I feel the most loved by my wife, for example, when we're talking about something and she'll just be like, I can tell that she's not listening from the standpoint of what do I think about this and what will I say next? And that's so easy for me to do that too, by the way, but she will just somehow drop in and it's like, she's enjoying coming into my brain or something and she's enjoying it and appreciating it, even if she thinks that whatever I'm saying is sort of nutty or, you know, maybe it's like slightly pompous even, you know, but she'll get a smile on her face or something. I can't tell you how loved I feel, how known and seen I feel when someone listens to me in that way. I will tell you that people ask me all the time like how are you so busy as an astrologer, you know? And I'm like, I don't think it's that I'm that profoundly good at astrology. Like, I don't like I think I'm like above average. I've had a ton of experience, I guess, but like when I sit down and read charts with people, one of the feedbacks that I've gotten the most over the years that I think And I say this to my students all the time that I think makes a successful astrologer or therapist, because I've worked with both in many different settings, is are they able to do that kind of listening and really take an interest? And when you feel that someone's taking an interest in you, it's super profound. For example, there was a study that was done, and I don't remember where I I read this somewhere, right? And I know, But I know for a fact there is a study out there like this. You could search and find it. The study said that people, they were placed with... Um, with like an interviewer in a room and they did this like two different interviewers they had one interviewer who talked a lot um, and the the interviewer that talked a lot and uh, you know didn't leave a ton of room for the other person to to talk unanimously was considered less interesting to like everyone whereas they had another interviewer who came in and that interviewer talked to them and asked them questions about themselves and then took a really deep interest and asked lots of interesting follow-up questions and allowed the other person to really open up and, and share. And when that person did that super active, engaged listening, you un- like unanimously, all of the people were like, that person is so interesting. <laughs> you know, so anyway, I think that these are some of the lessons of Venus and Mercury. I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl we can fall so deeply in love with, um, the world and really anybody in it. If we are invested in listening, um, with a a kind of appreciating capacity, um, hard for me. I mean, I, I sit here and yap for a living, you know, but I, I do have the benefit every day of being that being sort of canceled out by sitting and talking with clients and doing mostly listening. So I feel like, um, if there's any reason I have anything interesting to say, it's because I sit and listen to very interesting people talk every day. Anyway, um, number three, there is no thought that can't be thought beautifully. Remember, th- theme number three was our thoughts adorn us. So insight number three is there's no thought that can't be thought beautifully. I think this is so true. I don't. I think most of the time there's. A, when, I remember when I was in high school, I liked a lot of dark music. And I was just looking back through my old iTunes library, which I haven't looked at for years. And I just looked back at it recently and I was like, man, I listened to a lot of somber music. <laughs> you know, it's like, like uh, one of my favorite albums, for example, during high school was OK Computer by Radiohead. Like, beautiful, beautiful album. I'm not saying it's not. I love Radiohead, but like, wow, that's a dark album, you know? So, Anyway, um <laughs> I was just like reflecting on it. You know, but the thing is is that when I think back about my mindset, those things weren't dark to me, they were beautiful. Like they and so there might have been something melancholic about that period of time. And I always resented people who are like, "Why can't you just listen to Third Eye Blind?" You know, <laughs> like why can't we <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just get some backstreet boys into your soul? You know what I mean? like and I was just like, like, well, Elliot Smith, you know. And so, um, <laughs> at any rate, uh, I what what I what I've realized over time, it, it very similar to I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl point, where we're talking about the appreciating capacity, is that really what makes a thought beautiful is the ability to appreciate the world that it opens up, which is usually an imaginative world that is a tapestry of images and thoughts and moods and feelings. So there's really no thought that can't be beautiful. I went to a concert um, recently. I went uh, to a concert by a a guy named Jelly Roll. And I'm like, I just, uh, my, my personal trainer is a big fan of Jelly Roll. And so they just got married. And so for her wedding, my wife and I got them tickets to the show. And then we went to them went to the show with them because they really love this artist. And I would say he's like, I really, some of his music's really cool. I'm not like a huge fan, but what I found so interesting was that he talked, he said, we are here tonight to play therapeutic effing music. (laughs) And he talked a lot about people going through like addiction. And he spoke to an entire imaginative world of people who like like country rock. And he's kind of a fusion of music, but he spoke to this whole like imaginative world and his music was able to sort of sum up the, the pain and the hurt of that particular, like d- demographic of people who like that kind of music. And I was really appreciating it because I was like, look, there's no, it most of the time when we think like, well, just think positive thoughts. We're so far from what the, the, the real difference between positive and negative really is. I mean, from my standpoint, the soul's version of positive is, is can you take that thought and make it imaginal, beautiful, romantic, deep, you know, complex, a little bit curious and mysterious, uh, edgy, and and interesting. And, And really, that's what a positive thought is, in a sense, because it's not positive or negative. It's interesting and beautiful. And so there's no thought that can't be thought beautifully. And most of the time, it's not that our thoughts are a problem. It's that our thoughts about our thoughts are problems. And um, that's so much the realm of meditation. By the way, I feel like meditation is a, if there's anything meditation is really, really good for, in my experience, it is the thoughts about our thoughts. And um, that level of, of thinking tends to be the scrutinizing level. And it's like, if you remove scrutiny and replace with appreciation for thoughts and their relation to the imagination, wow, there's no thought that can't be beautiful. Number four, appreciation is the secret door to knowing someone. Uh, so, I just mentioned this along with I kind of I kind of brought this point in. But remember when I said what what I'm curious about is curious about me. So what I find interesting is that um, when you, if you find that there is something that you don't understand. And there's something that you don't like or that you're averse to, especially on the mental level or ideological level. You're just like, no, I disagree with that or I don't like that or that's wrong or that's bad. If you can be curious and you can deliberately try to appreciate where someone might be coming from, not just like rationally um, make room for their point of view. I'm not That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's an imaginative exercise of appreciation for someone or something that you disagree with or that you find disagreeable. And if you stay curious about it uh, and you, you move toward that thing that you dislike with some appreciating capacity, you'll come to understand something. And understanding is so much better a place. You may still have your judgments and your values and your opinions, but if you have those along with understanding, that's wisdom, right? So anyway... That's been my experience anyway. Number five, our accomplishments are only as meaningful as the joy that accompanies them. Fun is fun is fun. Our accomplishments are only as meaningful as the joy that accompanies them. Look, you can you can achieve anything you want in life, but have has there been laughter? Has there been joy? Has there been, you know, dark comic absurdity? You know what I mean? It's I don't know what accomplishments mean at the end of the day, whether they're in business or love or your body or your health or your spiritual life or burning off 700,000 layers of karma? What good is any of it if it hasn't been fun and interesting and joyful along the way? I don't know how any of the goals in life are at all meaningful unless they are accompanied by intermittent periods of useless play. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like tag, you're it. The universe says to us once in a while, and we go running back and we tag it in return. And then it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You can get back to level 10. You know, okay, we got, got, we're focusing on level 10. And yes, we are, you know? And then the universe is like, that's, it's fun, but hey, tag, you're it. And the exercise repeats. If you don't have that relationship with the universe, if you don't have that relationship with the people you love or the job you do or whatever, you know? well what good is any what good are any of the accomplishments so people ask me a lot they like i've gotten people a, a, an absurd amount of dms and messages lately since i changed my name back saying you seem like you're on you're on fire you seem so passionate about what you're doing well one of the major reasons that i made the choice that i did is because i wasn't having fun <laughs> like i i knew that what i was talking about and doing Sort of philosophically and spiritually was like important, but I was also noticing concurrently that my joy was gone; that it was that it had it had it had disappeared. And so I made a shift and I said, "Look, I'm always going to be a spiritual person. I'll always have my prayer life. I'll always, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But I'm not so good at just the fun as fun as fun part. And I, 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 what good is life if I if I can't work on that? And I need to for the sake of my kids, you know, for the sake of." People who listen to me or take any kind of wisdom. I mean, how am I going to give my best and be authentic and not just feel like I'm churning stuff out all the time and give something to people that comes from my actual like, you know, prana or Shakti or something like it has to be because I'm having fun. When you lose passion and when you lose fun for something, then, you know, it's you might have important things to say, but, you know, how people can't take things. That seriously, if they suspect that the serious person delivering them doesn't know how to have fun, and so if I had to, you know, and I'm not blaming anyone for that other than myself, I'm not blaming a system or a religion or any teachings or any people. I'm just, just me. That was just a me thing, and uh, so um, I think that this has been a huge lesson for me, really. Uh, and so as, as as Mercury and Venus come together, these. Have been the topics of my meditation today. I hope that you found them valuable, interesting as always. Don't forget to leave a comment in the comment section. Uh, like and subscribe. It helps the channel to grow a great deal when you do so. Find the link to the Kickstarter in the descriptions of this video and in the comment section below. Help us reach 1,608 backers. Your support uh, is so um, valuable. It's from my staff, from my family, from myself. Uh, I try to make sure that uh, astrology, this astrology content is accessible to everyone. And when a small portion of the audience pitches in, it makes the whole thing go. So we really appreciate your support. Choose a reward when you donate. We try to make sure that you get something interesting and valuable in exchange for your contribution. And uh, just so thank you, everybody, for your support. This past year has been a great success because of you. And um, my, my prayer is that we'll be able to uh, be successful in this fundraising effort so that the next year can be supported as well. All right, I hope you guys have a great day and we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye everyone.